This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. The Capness HR Podcast is brought to you by SM Diversity. SM Diversity is a full services staffing recruit agency. SM Diversity is currently looking to fill numerous principal software engineer positions in the Seattle area. The requirements for these positions are as follows. A computer science or related degree, eight plus years of overall experience, then one plus years of leadership experience, solid experience with cloud-based service development, extensive experience in building, deploying, and managing large distributed applications, experience with agile development methods, experience with DevOps and CI CD tools and methods. A preferred qualification is to have a strong network in the Seattle tech community. This position is going to be, actually all these positions are going to be located in the downtown Seattle area. So this is not going to be a remote work opportunity for anyone. If you're interested in learning more, send me an email at jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinet HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Christopher Molaro. Christopher, are you ready to be great today? Oh, yeah, definitely. Christopher is a 2010 graduate of the United States Military Academy, where he graduated with a degree in engineering management and was commissioned as a field artillery officer. He deployed with the 1st Cavalry Division as a platoon leader to Iraq in 2011 and was awarded a Bronze Star. Concurrently as a captain of the Army, he co founded the nonprofit Things We Read. Focus on enhancing the quality of lives of his soldiers and inspire them to pursue a lifetime of learning. In 2017, he earned his master's in business administration at the Warren School of the University of Pennsylvania. He is now the founder and CEO of Neuroflow, a digital mental health technology company recently named a top mental health company by MedTech Boston, the most innovative technology by the 2018 Site Congress. Elijah in Philadelphia's wife, Erica. Christopher, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're doing some great things. Of course. Thank you for having me. Great. So can you tell us the story of Neuroflow, how it came about, and what your vision for it is in the future? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it really stems back from, you mentioned the, my military service, and back when I was, you know, when I was serving, I was a platoon leader, and uh, just like in any walk of life, a lot of my friends and my fellow soldiers could have benefited from therapy, but may not have sought help or gotten the help that they needed, um, and it was very ineffective. It was... You know, if, if you broke your arm, you'd go to see a therapist to get better. Uh, why not the same thing for mental health and behavioral health? Anyway, I was not uh, the expert. I'm not a psychologist by background. So there's limited in what I could do. And that was frustrating. Uh, when I transitioned off of active duty and I went to business school here in Philadelphia, I teamed up with psychologists, um, neuroscientists, co-founder of Neuroflow is a bioengineering PhD. and um, you know, we teamed up and, and really focused on creating a technology and testing a technology that could be used to enhance evidence-based therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy. We did that. We uh, did a lot of research, IRB-approved research at the University of Pennsylvania, and you know, Neuroflow was born. Today, we're in over 100 clinics and hospitals in four countries. We have AMA validation to help support insurance reimbursement. And I uh, believe we're making an impact in helping lives and helping 
doctors help those patients that need it the most. Christopher, can you talk about maybe some of the compliance challenges you might have had on building this business and how the different nations and even different states and different cities that might have different compliance as far as mental health? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. It's not even just limited to mental health, just healthcare technology in general, as you imagine, is a very regulated base. And as it should be, because when patients' lives are at stake and their health is part of the equation, you need to make sure that what you're putting out there and what you're selling is not only safe, but it does what you say it can do. So as far as the United States is concerned, we have to be HIPAA compliant, first and foremost. So data security is a major concern of ours. You know, we are, the, the software handles some very private data, names, birth dates, emails, and then therapy data, you know, data related to cognitive behavioral therapy and other evidence-based therapies. So it's very private, very personal, and we take that responsibility very seriously. So from day one, we've had to be HIPAA compliant. And so if you were a patient on this platform uh, and you were working with your uh, psychologist or your therapist using the platform, we would never see any of your data. In fact, we don't even know your name or your email. All that is encrypted behind a a double firewall, and and that's private between you and your provider. Um, So that is one example of HIPAA compliance. Canada and the EU and Africa, they all have similar type uh, situations, but slightly different regarding their own countries. Um, So we've had to navigate all those. Another form of regulation is, I'm sure everyone's heard of, the FDA. And so the FDA is making sure one, is staying safe in the medical space? And two, is it efficacious or does it work? So a great example is a drug. If I take a little drug and I put that in my body, is it, gonna, is it actually going to do what it says it can do? And two, what are going to be the side effects of that? And am I going to be put at harm? So the FDA regulates drugs. The FDA also regulates medical devices. We have, are just careful with the claims that we can make. Neuroflow is not a diagnostic tool, um, and we are not a treatment tool. We are meant to be used in conjunction with clinical therapy, but under the supervision of provider. So we are assessed by the FDA as, a, uh, as what is called a clinical decision support tool. And that assessment is a lower threshold for having to go through like clinical trials and that sort of thing. And um, uh, so that was another big regulation thing that we had to go through. In terms of other type of areas, state, at least in the United States, changes for Medicaid purposes, but we're not uh, focusing on the Medicaid market. We are supporting Medicare, uh, but that's a federal function. So it goes back again to the, U, uh, you know, the entire U.S. umbrella. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. So next, next part is just my personal opinion and then a follow-up question. So I was in the Army a couple years ago. I did 25 years. When the first Army is pretty much, you know, you know, you couldn't sign up for a weakness. You have a broken leg, take some Motrin. And the end is that's kind of more like, okay, maybe you need to look at things. But in my opinion, it's still like, okay, you can come say you have these issues and challenges, but the, you know, it was un- unsaid, here's the effect on your career. How do you think the Army will ever get past that point? First, I don't think they would just have the mentality that you have to have to be in the Army. And then, second part of the question Have you found the civilian, in the civilian sector, they have an easier time looking for help versus the military? Yeah, that's a, those are great questions. I think the good news is that 
these behavioral health issues like anxiety and depression or PTSD, they have effective means of dealing with them and treating them. I mean, that's the good news. Uh, so cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, or better known as CBT, is a proven uh, way of effectively treating anxiety and depression. Cognitive processing therapy, or CT, and prolonged exposure therapy are two evidence-based protocols that are proven to help with PTSD. So the good news is that these things are not chronic illnesses that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. You can get better from them, and you, you don't have to live with them forever. They just take um, these different protocols, take the investment and the time and the buy-in from you and me as the patient. So if you're going through CBT, there's work to be done on your part. It's not just the pill you're going to take and you're going to feel better all of a sudden. You have to be invested in that and, um, and do the exercises that you're supposed to do uh, in order to, to improve and get better. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because that's the sort of mentality that I see changing in both the civilian world and the military world is that you know, if, you're dep- if you're struggling with depression or PTSD, you're no longer really looked at as broken, so to speak, right? You're not broken and you can't be fixed. You're struggling with something like anyone else may be, like if you're sick and there's a way that we can get you better. And so we're going to get you better. And that's a really important shift that I've experienced and have witnessed. And I think a lot of other people will attest to that as well. Now, the that's not to say that it's a perfect solution so far and that there are I think that there still exist pockets that have a negative stigma towards mental health issues. And I think really that's a, that's a function of just people not necessarily understanding what's going on, right? They, they don't struggle from depression. So if you're depressed, they don't understand. They're just get a hold of yourself. So I, don't, I think we have a long way to go, but I think that we're headed in the right direction, both on the military and, and the civilian side. Yeah, it's like the, a mentality. I scored a 300. How come you can't score a 300, you know? Exactly. I can run, you know, two miles in 10 minutes. How come you can't? What's, what's, the, what's the matter with you? But the good thing is if you worked at it and you put the practice in, you can start to see your improve and you can get up to that level, right? And so uh, I think that's a good analogy. You know, you're not going to be able to just wake up the next day or take a pill to get that 300. 300 for the listeners out there that aren't a the veteran, 300 is a perfect on an army physical fist test. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to just wake up or take a magic pill to be able to get a perfect score on my physical fitness test. But if I work at it, I invest the time and I'm, I'm motivated to get that improvement. You know, we'll, you'll start to see that positive change. Same exact thing for behavioral health. Okay. So you talked about this in our pre-talk, but do you target market hospitals or you go straight to patients? That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. So we, Neuroflow is a clinical tool. We have two different subsets of that tool, two different products. One is called Engage BH. That is meant to be used by psychologists and therapists. The other is called Integrate Health. That's meant to be used by primary care providers and pain management specialists that don't traditionally use behavior or uh, treat behavioral health issues. But either way, Neuroflow, where it stands right now, is a clinical tool meant to be used by the providers and the health systems. So we're selling. Uh, neuroflow and access to neuroflow to hospitals and to doctors. And then uh, they are to invite their patients to join and to monitor, track, and assess their behavioral health issues. 
Um, the good news is that it's free to patients. So there's no cost whatsoever. As long as you get invited by your provider, they can download it and use it and experience uh, the platform. What pushback have you been receiving? Like, um, you know, we don't want to use the product because blank. Yeah, well, so I think, let's see, uh, to kind of back it up for you, we've been doing uh, beta testing in a lot of locations for since September of last year until March of this year. March 1st of this year, 2018, we fully launched. And um, we fully launched in with 12 clinics. And now we're in over 100 clinics and hospitals. Um, so we had a lot of growth. And not all that happened overnight. And one of the biggest pushbacks that we had was the notion of interoperability. So a lot of these hospital systems work with large um, systems called electronic health records. Some bigger companies are called Epic or Cerner. And these are where everyone's health records live. And so when you go see your doctor at a hospital, uh, you may see him or her type like a few notes or something like that uh, off to the side on their computer. They're typing those notes into the electronic health record. And so the big pushback for us was they're going to have to log into a whole nother platform to take notes or do some all in a brand new platform or in a platform in addition to the EHR or the electronic health record. And so we have a very talented team of developers and engineers at Neuroflow that have been able to work on this to make us interoperable. And so we can fit right into the electronic health record so that a doctor and a hospital can interact with Neuroflow's tools within their EHR system without having to go to Neuroflow's website. And that's been a, a key component of our success and growth. Christopher, can you talk about how, you, how your military service has helped you in building your company? Look, in the military, what we care about, our team, right? So the, the men and women that fight alongside of us and support us. And without, without them, uh, you don't get the mission done. And uh, without a clear definition of what the mission is, your whole team isn't on the same page. It's the same thing in a small company. Your just mission is a little bit different, right? We're not going, we're not kicking in doors in Iraq or Afghanistan. We're trying to solve a problem and grow a business. Uh, but we're doing that as a team. And each person on the team has their own individual job and specialty, just like in the army, right? You have your supplier, you have your MI, your military intelligence, you have your infantry, your artillery. Each has their own specific job meant to help the mission move forward. And so taking that same problem-solving mentality, that mission-driven mentality, uh, and leading our team with a clear focus on vision and, and building the camaraderie uh, is, has, I think, done us a, a huge benefit for Neuroflow and our growth. I mean, from day one of running the company, when it was just me and my co-founder, and really this was just an idea, we've had a value system. You know, 10 values that are up on the wall and uh, everyone that is on the team now as, a, as an employee learns those values and we use those values as a accountability tool. So, you know, if anyone isn't following one of those values or does something that's not in line with one of those values, people call other people out and they hold people accountable to them just like we would in the military. So it's those sort of things that really, I think, help us effectively run a early company uh, to accomplish our mission and build a culture that is effective in what we do.
it makes me like how many star founders say I'll do values later. It's not important. Like, how can you say that? You know, like I know. Me, you know, have your values on there and, and like suppose I want to work for your company. I look at your values. I like, well, maybe it's not the company for me. You should really look at the company's values and know even without talking to anybody in the company what kind of company it is. And amazing how people just don't get that. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's it's uh I agree with you. I think that obviously I think that they're very important. I think it's it's when you're in a startup uh and an early company, there are a million things to worry about and be concerned with, right? There's Am I going to be able to sell this? Is the product working? Am I, do I have enough money? Am I going to be able to make payroll? You know, there's a, a million and one things to worry about. Um, and if you don't have the background to know that values are that important, like we would from the military, I think that's an easy thing to kind of push off to the side to say, I'm going to worry about it later. So I, I agree with you, but I could also empathize and understand why people that might not have the, the military background wouldn't prioritize them right away. And hopefully if a, if a non-military entrepreneur is, is watching this and listening, that they'll consider prioritizing a value system for their company. That's a great point, Christopher. Christopher, next, can you talk about a time you were successful in the past, where you learned from your success, what we, what we can learn from this? The success we bring up is also a, it started out as a failure. And that's be as focused as possible on a measurable outcome. And, and you have to be almost the word I'm looking for. You have to be obsessively focused. And at first, you know, I, I didn't think I did a good job at this. I, I got distracted pretty easily or I, or I got excited about other opportunities that were on the horizon. I, I saw opportunities that we may be able to take, get, you know, take advantage of different marketplaces, different different type of technologies we could integrate with. And what ended up happening was we were a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Never really did anything so well. I was able to, my co-founders really is the opposite of me. So we balance each other very well. And, uh, you know, we, we sat down and we said, look, we have to start focusing on one marketplace, understanding that maybe in the future we could expand to these other marketplaces. But we have, for now, we have to focus on one market. And, and so we've done that really well now. And th- this is why we're selling only to providers. We're not doing direct-to-consumers right now. We want to do the provider tool really, really well and, uh, and become the expert there uh, where we need to be with this initial product offering. So I, I would say it's remaining focused. Um, and we've done that well now, but not after learning it the hard way first. So, Chris, we already answered this a little bit, but next, talk about the time you failed, what you learned, and what we can learn. Yeah, so I think the focus thing is, is huge. Understanding that whether if you're the CEO and founder of a company, you have three jobs, really, and that's it. And if you're able to stay focused on those three jobs and do them really well, your company is going to be better off for them. So, my purview, the way I look at it, as a CEO and founder of Neuroflow, my three jobs are making sure that the vision is set, that the strategy for what we're trying to accomplish is done, and then making sure that everyone is on the same page with that. Job number two is making sure that we have the resources to get that done. That could be money, that could be office space, that could be right technology, funding, right? Making sure that we have the resources to actually do that 
And then three is making sure that we have the best people possible on the team to do the jobs that they're experts in doing. You know, in the military, I certainly wasn't the best shot, best shooter with a rifle. But some of, you know, some of my soldiers were expert shooters, sharpshooters, literally like so talented in that. And so we had to find the best people to do the job in uh, in the company, so the best developers, the best engineers, the best data scientists, and um, convince them to join the team, uh, build that culture around them, and get that done. And so I had to stay focused in, in, in doing that. And I think from uh, a failure on my part was at the beginning, I tried to do too much. I tried to do everything. And I wasn't effectively leveraging the talents of my team. And, um, and so I, you know, I've been able to readjust from that and have each person on the team really focused on what they're supposed to do, what their expertise is. And, um, you know, Jim Collins is, uh, the famous author that writes a, a good book that I, I really like. I recommend the book uh, called Good to Great. And Jim Collins talks about you have to get the right people on the bus, get the wrong people off the bus. The bus in this case is your uh, company, right? So get the right people on the bus, get the wrong people off the bus. But then once the right people are on the bus, you need to get the, them in the right seats. So maybe, you know, the, if you have a salesperson doing engineering work, that's probably not the best mix. So you have to get the right people in the right seats, and then the bus can move forward in the right direction, and, and you can create something special. You made another great point. You're like, you see all the time somebody starts a company, I need uh, somebody to do sales. Hey, best friend, do sales for me, or I need a developer. Let's spend, you know, you build this team with all your best friends, but then I really have the skills to do what you need. And a lot of people like to, uh, I mean, this is just, this is a natural human tendency, but we like to hang out with people that are like ourselves. And so, you know, coming from the Wharton Business School, there was a lot of business type people, a lot of people just like me. Not only like they looked like me, but they looked like me in experience. So, we had the similar experiences and all that stuff. But like I said, my co-founder and I, we're, we're, very, we're similar in a lot of ways, but we're very, very, very different in a lot of ways. We complement each other. You know, the way we, we're different in the way that we think about problems and the way that we approach problems so that we complement each other. And so I would challenge anyone that is looking for partners or employees that they should bring on people that fill in, you know, identify weaknesses in yourself and then identify people that can complement those and help you fill in those weaknesses so that they're not weaknesses anymore. Christopher, I understand you have a couple of books to recommend for our listeners. Yeah. So I've mentioned Good to Great already by Jim Collins. That's a, that's a fantastic one. Uh, I just finished reading Measure What Matters, which is by John Dewar. John is a famous venture capitalist, uh, initial investor in like Google and that sort of stuff. So Measure What Matters talks about how um, companies, even early stage companies like ours, need to measure their progress intermittently. So you can do it on a monthly basis, you can even do it on a weekly basis or a quarterly basis. But to put some system and methodology behind measuring your progress in the business and measuring everything. So he calls them objectives and key results. So not only your sales numbers and your revenue, obviously you want to measure that stuff, but also, um, you know, how many uh, sales calls did I do today? Or for engineers, how much code did I write this week? 
uh, was that on par with what I'm trying to aim for? And you could keep everyone accountable in that way and you can help drive your business forward and really identify what is inefficient, what's efficient, what you need to fix, that sort of thing. So Measure What Matters by John Dewar. And then a fiction book that I, I like uh, a lot. It's an, it's an oldie, but it's a classic, is uh, The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Uh, it's a classic. When I uh, was the founder of Things We Read, the nonprofit that you mentioned uh, in my bio, Mark Cuban, everyone knows Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban recommended The Fountainhead. Uh, so I read that and uh, it, was a, it was a great book. Those are the three I would recommend. Christopher, I understand you have something for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, we're first and foremost, we, we may be just, we may be two providers and our commercial relationship is the uh, health systems, but mental health is obviously it's a human issue. Uh, and we want to be a resource to everyone out there, whether uh, you need, you know, you could benefit from support or you know someone, a friend or a loved one that could benefit from and so if you go to neuroflowsolution.com slash client-resources, there's a bunch of resources there. It's a resource guide where patients uh, and, and people in general can see what's out there for you uh, to get the help that you need. And to get help, is there's no shame in doing that. I mean, I think it's a show of strength and uh, you show that you're stronger uh, if you're able to go get help when you need it. Uh, if Look, if you broke your arm, no one is going to judge you twice for going to get a cast on it. So if if you need a little bit of help with depression or anxiety uh, or PTSD, uh, no one is going to judge you for that. Uh, and like I said earlier, there's good news. There's, a, there's evidence-based protocols that really, really do help and are effective. So I, I encourage you to go to neuroflowsolution.com uh, and you can check out those resources. If you are seeing a provider and you think the technology could help enhance your experience, there's a way for you to invite them to the platform or at least tell them about the platform. And we'd love to talk to them as well. Can you share your social media links for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Malaro. Chris underscore M-O-L-A-R-O. And... Um, for the company, it's Neuroflow Live for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You just go to Neuroflow Live. For listeners, we have the links to his book recommendations, his resources, and social media links. Our show notes and our show notes are at www.cavernshrblog.com. We'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide any last-minute advice or wisdom on any subject you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, so two things. So one, on mental health issues. If you think... If, if you're going through a mental health issue or crisis, reach out for help. Like I said, there's help there. If you think that you know someone that's going out there for help, ask them, talk to them. It's been proven that it doesn't increase the chance for suicide. If you ask them, are they thinking about hurting themselves? It's if you ask someone, are you thinking about hurting yourself? It, it's not like a light bulb is going to pop on and they say, oh yeah, actually I was. It, it's, it can only help. So be proactive in reaching out to people. On the entrepreneur side of things, doing, uh, being an entrepreneur is a lot of fun. Uh, it's not always easy, uh, but if you find something that you're passionate about and uh, a problem that's worth solving, uh, so I wish you all the best of luck if, if you choose to do so. I know one thing I've been trying to get better at is that, you know, you, I think Saturday day is more, it's become, hey, how you doing? I'm good. It's more like, a, I, don't, I don't know how you're doing. Just 
saying hello. Right. I would know how are you really doing right now? You know, tell me what's going on. I'm trying to get better at that. Absolutely. No, I, I absolutely under, agree with that. But we could all be uh, resources to each other. Yes. Christopher, thank you for your time today. You bring some, doing some great things to society, and I really appreciate you taking your time. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me today. Great show. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.